Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, extraordinary citizens of planet Earth. What a privilege and honor to be with you once again. We have the man, Stephen Morrison, on the podcast today, and we talk about the spiritual workout and the 15 principles that he has in his book. Uh, He is a former psychotherapist and the creator of Spiritual Workout um, and also the founder of The Consciousness Company. So this is an excellent episode, and we dive deep into a lot of uh, spiritual concepts, personal development concepts and uh, consciousness concepts. So some of the things we talk about are uh, setting intention, why belief matters, um, why the law of attraction is always on, uh, writing your goals, the 15 principles, uh, EFT, uh, the three choices, um, seeing yourself as a spiritual being, having a human experience, um, the mind and body connection, uh, compassion, all kinds of things. It's really a, a an in-depth, very uh, practical and awesome episode. So I know you're going to enjoy it. If you do like it, as you go along, please take screenshots, share on Instagram, tag me at Matt Belair, share the blog on Facebook. All of that really does help. If you want to support the show, the best thing that you can do is one kind act today. That is the the premium thing. Um, three kind acts going out of your way to do it and do that for seven days. That's the kindness challenge. So please take that. Let me know you're doing it. Encourage your friends to take it. That's the best way to support the show. Other ways are leaving a review in iTunes that's super helpful shares and also patreon so i want to thank um what's a sandra castle thank you so much for tossing a buck in the bucket uh on patreon it's it helps immensely so if you go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair and even tossing in a buck a month um really goes a long way thank you guys so much for those of you who are continuing to do that it makes a massive difference um i also want to thank fordo 78 for leaving a review and it says best podcast around matt's podcast is remarkable a must for anyone searching for more out of this life the world needs more people like this in our world thank you so much for leaving that review i appreciate it uh, very very much i also want to thank my new partner and sponsor himalaya podcast app they're an excellent podcast app that is designed for podcast listeners so it's completely free easy to use tons of awesome features lets you build playlists like episodes suggestions all kinds of stuff and it really just fosters a community of podcasters podcast listeners so check it out you can go to the app store and download it it's h-i-m-a-l-a-y-a and make sure to follow the master mind body and spirit show once you're over there um what else? Oh, go to mattbelair.com, sign up for the email list. For those of you guys who want some coaching, um, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you need to create and define a meaningful vision for yourself, or you're a high-performance athlete, those are the three people I really work with. Um, so if you're really committed to leveling up and you want to design a, 
a vision and live into that future. Um, if you're a successful entrepreneur and you want to really know about peak performance mindset, flow state, expanding consciousness, and all the stuff we talk about on the show, that also works. And obviously, athletes a little bit more athlete focused. Um, but anything peak performance is my house, and I've opened up to a little bit more coaching. So if you go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching, I would happily help you out. Um, so let's get into this episode. And before we dive in, let's come to a state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just set the intention to come to a totally peaceful, present, and powerful state. And just let that breath out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the anxieties, all the limiting beliefs and limiting negative self-talk. Just letting that go. Feeling totally peaceful, present, and empowered. And ready for this incredible episode with Stephen Morrison. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a former psychotherapist, creator of Spiritual Workout, founder of The Consciousness Company, author of An Extra Year, and a man who is happiest when writing articles, essays, and books. He reports that his practice, Spiritual Workout, is what allowed him to say good riddance to the safety of the corporate world to be an entrepreneur to thrive in the wake of his partner's death in a way that grew his soul and increased his capacity to love and to recover from the experience of losing house, home, and all kinds of things during the global financial meltdown while launching a new business. He is obsessed with creating a world that works for everyone by bringing his brand of everyday higher consciousness to traditionally underserved communities wherever they are. Welcome to the show, Stephen Morrison. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be with you. Me too. What a bio, man. You sound awesome. <laughs> yeah, like who is that guy? Yeah, yeah sounds great, man. Well, um, you know, I got to look a little bit about your work and, and I got a little bit of to, to browse a spiritual workout. I just love the idea of spiritual workout because we're, you know, so much into fitness and we, we beat that like a dead horse all day every day you know fitness but mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of uh spiritual practices or spiritual workouts so why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today well thank you i really the spiritual workout came about because when i was you know back in the day asking all those questions that we ask about who am i what's going on and big changes were happening and i didn't ever grow up with any of this stuff so i started reading some books started going to some workshops and listening to cds at the time <laughs> and after a few months matt i just thought is it me or are all these people saying the same thing so on the one hand i was learning these ideas like be present be compassionate a law of attraction that's a thing you know and about a dozen other ideas and so I was instantly, not instantly, but yeah, right on the spot, starting to really work this stuff into my own system. I felt like I was trying to catch up to the world. Everybody seemed to know about all these things, <laughs> and I didn't. And I was just also in school in my master's uh, program to become a psychotherapist. So I was learning these, what I now call spiritual concepts, side by side with becoming a psychotherapist and studying psychology and approaching issues and challenges from that perspective. And I just found that what I was doing in my own life was kind of going deeper and 
faster uh, and with more, I hate to use the word permanent in the spiritual context, but with changes that were permanent, you know, I used to be this and now I'm this, you know, transformation. I used to believe this and now I believe this. I used to have this terrible, awful experience and now I have this wonderful, amazing experience. So permanent changes in that sense. Um, and, you know, kind of practiced this way under the frame of being a psychotherapist for the beginning and then just said, you know what, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I don't want to fit into this frame. I don't feel like I need it. I, if somebody needs me to have that credential of psychotherapist in order to even approach me, then they're probably not my client anyway. And at the end of the day, I didn't feel anymore like I was really doing psychotherapy. Um, on the other hand, I do my work. People come who you know, come for the first time to a workshop or a class or something. And very often I hear people say, why do you call it spiritual? It's just practical stuff. So there's a sweet spot in there somewhere. And I think that that's where I'm most comfortable. And the fundamental piece of the whole thing is using these concepts that we say we believe in in our everyday lives because in the beginning i was finding you know these people are reading the power of now and be here now from from a, a while back longer so that concept is be present right so i think they're all reading it and then practicing being present and they're not at all <laughs> they're just talking about it you know or they say things like well i can't be present i'm an attorney and i've got a plan for my future so clearly people not quite to my mind fully comprehending how, what these concepts mean and what life will be like when we actually incorporate them. So that's really where it all came from. That's great. And um, I really like that you have the professional background, you know, you have that credential. So masters is challenging to get. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. You went through that whole thing. Um, so you have that and then you work with clients and then you have your own experiences um, to go I guess, I don't know if it's a good way to put it, but like a step further, like to continue on the progression. Um, in your bio, it kind of um, glazes over some profound stuff that must have been incredibly difficult. I don't know if I want to go there, but like even just getting through. I'm happy to. Yeah, going through like a loss like that, like a, like a partner. Um, and mm. that that would be awful I, I read that and i before we started i was like oh my god like that's terrible like that experience alone must have been extremely challenging so maybe you can talk a little bit about some tips for people who are, who are grieving and going through loss and 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 then go into some of the stuff that's in the spiritual workout sure well and and thank you and i really am happy to talk i'm the guy that likes to talk about everything that other people don't want to talk talk about but it was an interesting moment so this was i mean i had finally met the love of my life this was it i was already in my 40s i was like thank god i'm just done with all that we are together we are it and he got a cancer diagnosis and was gone two years later so um it was also a moment where i was i had been doing this sort of spiritual workouty work within my practice the term spiritual workout had been ruminating in my head for a while in my heart but 
it wasn't time for that yet. And then he died and I thought, all right, now this is where <laughs> the rubber meets the road. You know, if I'm going to be this guy and espouse these ideas, then I've got to do that here now in my own life. And so it was really interesting. So intentions matter is one of the 15 concepts that I work with. So right off the bat, I set an intention for myself for my quote unquote grief and loss process. Now that's something that I would suggest anyone do. And I don't think anyone really does it. Um, for me at that time, my intentions were to move through this process in a way that was right for me. And another intention that I remember clearly having was I intend to emerge from this process feeling whole and complete. Now, the beauty of intention setting, at least as I've come to understand it and I purvey it with the people that I work with, is we don't have to figure out how anything's gonna happen. We just hold that energy, that vibration, that belief, that knowing, that desire, and let the universe figure out how it's all gonna happen. But I promise you, I was able at some point to look back and say, wow, I'm, I'm, I feel whole and complete. <laughs> and um, so setting an intention was something that I think was just not the norm, but something that I did. Um, another thing that really stands out is to me, um, beliefs matter, right? So beliefs matter because they create our experiences. Every single one of us is walking around with a whole set of beliefs. Most of them we swallowed whole from other people in the range of zero to seven. That's just how it works. Sometimes we make conclusions on our own based on things we see and experience. And either which way we have beliefs. Sometimes they serve us, sometimes they don't. So in my practice, I'm used to looking foundationally at what it is I'm believing about what's going on and working at that level. Do I need to change a belief? Can I get to where I want to go with the belief that I have or set of beliefs? And so I'm always doing that. So somebody dies, right? They're, they're gone. He's gone. I'm like, all right, but is that really true? We're spiritual beings. We're eternal. So he's gone. When I would hold that thought, it was clear and obvious what that felt like. That's grief right there. But it's really also just the feelings that result from that thought. So is that really true? Byron Katie's work, if you're familiar with her, right? Is it true? Well, kind of. His body's not here anymore. But so getting to a belief that something is still alive or even as far as part of him is still here or something like that. And the moment that I entertained that thought, everything in my system changed and I felt different. And then, so that part, I often say that that experience helped to really, I felt my soul growing. And one of the ways that that happened was okay, so if part of him is still here, I can't even think that he's gone. And now in order to connect with him, since he's not in his 
body anymore. <laughs> I'm going to have to do something different, right? So now I have to grow my muscle of my soul, my spirit, that part of me that's beyond my body and try to reach and connect in that way. So my practice, like I say, it was sort of new. It wasn't termed spiritual workout. It was mostly in my head, but it was already how I was living my life. And I think it really uh, helped me to specifically move that through that process and tons of other um, in a way that really felt whole and complete when all was said and done. Hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's, um, it's practical, it's moving. And I think it's, it's simple, but important when you talk about intentions, I'm always reminded of, uh, Jesus and the Essenes. I read that a while ago. And, um, one of the practices that I discovered was they would set intentions like 11 times a day or 12 times a day. And it's such a simple thing that we, we don't do. And Abraham Hicks will talk about it pretty consistently. And even like just with positive psychology, it works and sports psychology and coaching. It's the same thing. We go around like it just increases probability. It doesn't make it certain, but it definitely increases probability. You're using that intelligence in the mind and the consciousness is like, like if you think about uh, a pool in cold water, I've been doing cold water training and you say, don't jump in. Well, the body's not going to jump in, right? You know, so you can, but you can make the body jump in at the same time. So you use these, like it, it activates like this intelligence that we have within us. It doesn't guarantee, but it's a very simple thing that we overlook. So I'm curious about, um, you know, more of the practices in there or just discussing like, how do we make it a, how do we make it a practice? We have morning routines and things like that. Um, you know, which, which way do you think is the best way to go? How do you want to proceed from here? In terms of, um, I'm happy to talk about the practice of setting intentions and what that looks like. Is that? Sure. That sounds good. Okay. So <clears throat> I would question you a little bit on what you were just saying about the guarantee. So if we're talking about, or if I'm talking about setting intentions, shiny, clear intentions, as I often like to say, under the concept, the spiritual workout concept that intentions matter, that actually sits under the law of attraction concept. In other words, the, in my world, I just call it, the, I say the law of attraction is always on, right? To remind myself and everybody else, it is always on. It never, ever, ever takes a break. So that means everything I think and everything I feel is contributing to adding up to something that's gonna attract essentially similar stuff back in. So, and in my classes and in my conversations with anybody, it always comes to intention. It's where we start. What do you want? What do you want? So intentions matter. And we'll talk, I'll talk more about setting intentions. But really all we're doing when we're setting intentions is answering the question, what do you want? And if you want to expand a little bit, in an ideal world where nobody can say no and money is no object, what do you want? Because law of attraction says we humans can be, do, or have whatever we want. That's where I think the guarantee sort of comes in, right? So if I do my part and I set a shiny, clear intention and I do what I need to do to live and be in that space more than not, where that's my dominant vibration, 
in terms of how I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. I don't know how it's going to happen, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but law of attraction says it can't not happen. And I come to firmly believe that. And so I am always personally setting intentions all the time. If I'm just driving or in the shower, catch myself thinking about something that I don't like, that I don't want to experience anymore, that's going on, it's, I immediately just say, well, what ideal world, what would that be like? Oh, and it's the solution to that, or it's the opposite of that. And I find in my practice that for sure there are times to set what I would call a formalized intention where I really make people quote unquote, I don't make anybody do anything, but you know, it's, this is the only part in all the work I do where I get a little school teacher ish because I've never seen anybody really succeed in this process without writing it the heck down. And there are specific ways, uh, specific kinds of information that we use to fill this piece of paper. I like to get them all on one page. And then it's about how we use that intention, which is really a process of embodying it. Now I've gotten it out, I've gotten it shiny and clear. There isn't a syllable out of whack. When I read this thing, I am just like, yes, because it's a complete, utter, total reflection of, on a soul level, who I am and something that I want to be or do or have. So now that I've done that, now my job in this part of the process is to sort of re-ingest the whole thing and get to where I'm not, it's not a school assignment and I'm not editing and getting all down in the weeds of this word or that word. Now I'm just doing what I can to get to where I think and talk this way naturally and normally about this thing. And now I've moved into that place. And there are zillions of times where you don't have to go through that whole process. I mean, we sit down before this and do have an intention for our time together. You always set it up in your podcast, you know, to just take a breath and set an intention. So there are all manner of the types of intentions that we can set. But when we are really practiced at it and get used to it then we start to see those things manifesting it's always surprising how it happens and it's never on the timetable that i want it to be on <laughs> i shouldn't say never but often not and it's usually even better and more spectacular than what i was imagining but it happens and then you get a few of those under your belt and you're just humming you don't have to you have a care in the world because you are in control you know, another, another um, I like to work with intentions with teenagers and preteens, you know, kids who just feel like they don't have control over anything in their lives. And yet when we set intentions, we really take control. And we're saying, all right, I get to co-create here. I get a choice. I have a, a say in what my life is going to be. Then let's do it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I agree with all that. What I'm curious about is you were talking about setting the intentions and um, like, is it like a protocol that you use to make the words right? It was somewhere in the middle. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I do. I mean, if I'm like, I just had my class and there are a couple entrepreneurs and talking about, you know, so that's where I would say, and this very early stage and uncertain about where they're going and what they're doing. I say that that's the time to really do 
what I call a formalized process. So imagine one sheet of paper with a title at the top. The first section is all about how we think and talk about it. So I usually say to people, imagine that after this conversation, I don't see you for two years, we run into each other, we sit down, everything that you're wanting right now is happening then and you're telling me about it. Oh, Stephen, you wouldn't believe it. My business is booming. It's better than I ever thought it was going to be. I have customers from here, here, and here. And my product line is da-da-da, right? So what we do in the intention setting process is write it like that. We write it in present tense language, and we use only positives. So that's about the, how we think and talk about it. And I like to separate it out so that we can really focus. Now, in the next section, it's just how do you want to feel? How do you, how do you expect to feel? How do you feel when you're thinking about this thing now? You know, three emotions is not enough. Two dozen is too many. It's not about math or anything, but it's like plan this out. How do you want to feel? How do you want to feel when you're living this thing? Because we know, or I've come to believe, and I've heard it from enough sources, and I'm not a scientist, and I don't go doing research. I just check things out in my own life, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, fine. So I've bought off on this idea that thoughts are electric and feelings are magnetic. That kind of makes sense to me. So, uh, so we want to really be able to focus on each component, the thoughts and the words, and then the feelings, just in the beginning to get us going. The last section is just a little statement to the universe about why you want what you want. And what I like about adding that component is there's no way to screw up the answer. You know, you can just say, well, I'll, I mean, there's no way to screw it up. But what I like about adding it in is up until this moment, it's all me, 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 me. This is who, this is what I want. This has nothing to do with anybody else, which is why it feels so great when I read it and think about it. And yet, we are in a co-creative process. And ultimately, I'm not living on this planet by myself. So I'm in, I'm in a process with the universe, and I'm stating to the universe that even though I want all this, it's not really just for me. It's for something beyond me. So I'd like for us to add that component in. I didn't make up this process. I wish I could credit somebody with it. I literally heard it on a CD when I was driving somewhere and had nothing to write anything down. Uh, but it made sense to me, and I just sort of remembered what I remembered and have been doing it like this and guiding other people to do it like that too. So that's my version of a really formal, robust intention. And then, so phase one is kind of getting it all down on paper, and then we move into phase two, like I was saying, which is about really re-ingesting it so that in the everyday moments, if we have, what, 90,000 thoughts a day, this is setting an intention is just about how many of those thoughts that are otherwise just flotsam and jetsam, how many of them can be organized into a coherent signal that the universe can easily respond to? That's all we're doing. But it's often so challenging for people because we're just, at least in in our culture, we're just so habituated to thinking negatively and talking negatively and doom and gloom and fear and all that stuff. And it's just a lot for people to wade through to get in there. Like, really, you're asking me what I want? It doesn't matter about all this stuff? No, yeah, yeah. And so that's been a big um, 
revelation to me how challenging it is for people to articulate a sentence, much less a page, about something that they want to be, do, or have. Yeah, well, that's all very practical advice. And it is interesting, you know, when I, when that really clicked in, oh, one second, drop my power cord. Um, when that idea really kicked in for me, it was Burning Man. You go around and, you know, you just talk to people and very quickly, it's just like, you know, how are you? Like, how, do you enjoy life outside of Burning Man? That's the kind of question. And a lot of the time I'd ask people that and they'd be like, oh, you know, it's okay. Or I'm getting by things like that. And I was like, well, what do you want? And like, they had never even thought about it. And I, and I think the habitual thing is really an accurate statement because the way that our society is run, there's just a lot of ingestion and then the mind calluses to these negative repetitive thoughts. And we don't have, we're not, we're not taught how to take breaks. So it's whether meditation or mindfulness or, or anything like that to get off the hamster wheel. So we kind of wake up and it starts, the engine starts and we're like, we don't have time to like imagine something amazing we're just trying to get by and not die essentially and like make sure i have money in the bank so i can go get groceries and i don't get foreclosed on um so you know the really important points and i and i like that because this is only like number one and you have 15 so i want to be practical <laughs> pragmatic because i want to learn about all of these would it be okay for you to share like maybe all 15 and then you and i yes. dive deep on whatever ones that you're most excited about or i'm most excited about or we'll co-create because i I think even just diving in that, if you apply that as a practice, it's so important. We're not, write down your goal. Give yourself some time to figure out what it is, what do you want to be, what you want to do, what you have. Do it in the ways that you just outlined. That is money right there. That's set, just if you can do that, you will shift. And then we can add in all the other things. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. And I, sh I should have listed them before. They always come out in alphabetical order, but here we go. Uh, be compassionate. Beliefs matter, be present, choices abound, everything is energy, have an attitude of gratitude, intentions matter, judgments separate us, listen to inspiration, mind and body are connected, take responsibility, everybody's favorite, uh, the law of attraction is always on. We are all connected. We are here for a reason. And finally, we belong to the planet, not the planet to us. So I've come to believe after 25 years and about 100,000 hours of doing this, that for most of us reasonably functioning human beings who can think and walk and talk and feel, that any issue that we have can be solved and anything we want can be had. I've really come to believe that. And I didn't grow up being taught any of this stuff. I grew up really in quite a dreary, uninteresting, struggling kind of environment. And now when I look back, I see that that was part of obviously my soul's journey. It was so bereft of juice and vitality and light and love 
that I guess I just began to crave it so much. And so as I was asking those questions, the answers came to me in the form of these 15 concepts. So clearly that was part of my journey. So which of those has gotten your attention? Well, they're all great. And it's a fantastic summary of spiritual principles. I guess what my first question is, is how do you create this as a workout? Those are all on point. And it's kind of like uh, the Ram Dass thing or the power now. It's like, okay, be here now. And then distraction and bam, you're somewhere else. It's like, shit. <laughs> so. Okay. So even though we're talking about these concepts, I really don't teach them. The world does not need another human being teaching any of these. These ideas have been around forever. Uh, there are volumes and books about each and every one. There are people like you were just referring to who have entire careers based on just one of them, you know? And so I'm here apparently <laughs> to help people integrate these into their lives. I mean, there are two things you have to do in order to benefit, I think, from the work I do. One is you have to essentially see yourself as a spiritual, eternal being having a physical human experience. And then you have to look at that list of concepts and nod your head and say, yeah, I'm in. Then we're ready to go. But I don't teach the concepts. So every single spiritual workout is I don't know who's going to show up. I don't know what subjects, you know, they're going to raise their hands and, and offer something up. But whatever it is, we just bang them through whichever concepts seem to make the most sense. So another piece of what we were talking with intention setting, just to kind of demonstrate a little bit. So again, law of attraction is always on. So let's be organized about what we're thinking and feeling. That's intentions. So to me, intentions are like foot on the gas. This is what I want. This is where I'm going. But then no sooner do we deign to put our foot on the gas and, and state something about what we want to be, do, or have, then all the ideas we have about why that can't happen come flying down, and it's like our other foot on the brake at the same time. Well, let's cut to the chase. That foot on the brake is nothing, nothing other than beliefs we have. It might be one belief. It might be a whole family of beliefs. So in my world, in this when we catch ourselves in this dynamic, foot on the gas, foot on the brake, start, stop, good days, bad days, highs, lows. Three choices, I think, emerge. One is we look around, it's like, well, this is what everyone else is doing. I guess this is the way things are. I'm just going to keep on going and hope for more better days than bad days. I think that's, well, it is what it is. Another option is, you know what, screw it. It's too hard. I'm out of here. I don't care. Now, look, if you don't want something, you don't want it. But if you want it and you're only giving up because you can't quite see a way to it, well, that's, that's unfortunate, if you ask me. Now, the third option that I practice in spiritual workout world is we learn to keep our foot on the gas of our intention, and we just learn to get our foot off the brake whenever we notice that it's on there. So I like to use EFT tapping as the, my primary method for doing that. There are lots of different ways, but I've gotten really good at helping people to find the belief underneath what's going on. Somebody in my class just now was talking about her hesitancy to talk about her new entrepreneurial project right now. And then she was saying, it's very similar to when I was 
back in college, I don't know how many years ago, 20 years ago, um, and I didn't want to talk about myself as studying what I was studying and da, da, da. So she said, I don't know if there's a connection. And, you know, we talked for three minutes was all it took to find the belief underneath all that, which was she was so, she didn't want to talk about what she was doing because she was afraid about what other people were going to say. And we got down to it and it all came down to a belief she had that validation comes from the outside. So she was thinking before she barely even started that she wouldn't get the validation. So she's stopping herself and she's looking for some big giant, like why, what's wrong with me, da, da, da. And yet it's just a belief that validation comes from the outside. So once you identify what that is, you know, that's, that's from way back. You have every right to have that belief. The only question is, does it serve you? Can you get to where you're going and have that belief? If the answer is no, then fine, let's change the belief. We can do that. Everything is energy. That's how we know I can't can become I can. I mean, I'm sure in the work you do, you see it all the time with people, right? Changing their beliefs about what's possible. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think that beliefs are super important. So what I'd like to kind of ask you is, do you have a process that you work with people to get to that root core belief? And is it, and if so, is that something that an, an individual can apply themselves? So getting to those core beliefs are so important. Um, and then the second thing is, what do you like to use to create a new belief? You just said EFT. If you're not familiar with that, please look it up. It's emotional freedom technique. It's extremely simple and extremely effective. Um, it uses tapping, positive psychology, um, energy meridians, the whole shebang. And it's, it's quite simple and it works really well. Um, so I'll leave it to you to answer my two questions. Okay. So in terms of process, in terms of process, just chatting, let's go. It's like we're, if, if the belief doesn't come right to the fore, sometimes it does. And oftentimes it doesn't. Then the whole big crazy process is we talk and we go fishing. So is it sort of like this? Is it sort of, it's literally just casting the thing in the pond and seeing are we close to anything? And it's, and so I just start, I, I have, I hesitate to call it any specific process because it's really just talking. We're continuing the conversation. Oh, so do you have, do you, does the idea that, um, that accolades um, come that what, what was I'm trying to think what we just used. But anyway, we just play around with that. It's like, is it this? Is it this? And the person will always say, no, it's not that. It's definitely not that. It's not that. Well, maybe it's sort of that. And we get, and boom, within 10 minutes, I don't think it's ever taken longer till the person says, yep, that's it. And it'll either be one honking belief, like I'm not good enough, or it'll be a family of beliefs and all the versions we have of I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough and I don't have enough money, and I'm not, right? All those things. So depending on who it is and what's going on and how debilitating, then what I like to do is I'll send them home and be like, you write those things down. I want to see every single one of them. And then we come back. It's like, okay, there are 12 here. And, you know, for a minute, it just feels awful. It's like, God, I believe these things. And you know you do, and you don't want to, and it's like, I don't want to see it. And I'm like, no, we want to see it. Come on, let's go. Up and out, up and out, up and out. And then that's right where, so even though I have a belief that I'm not good enough, I love and accept myself completely, you know, do a little tapping or whatever other methods. And I have some other ones, but that's the one I use pretty much all the time. And boom, we're there. 
So your awesome. second question was um, the, um, the the techniques you use. So you EFT oh, is your main one. And you it really that. is now. Yeah. And of course, people would talk to me about EFT for five years, five years of me going, I'm not interested. It sounds ridiculous. I'm not going to a hotel for a weekend seminar and getting certified in something that sounds crazy. And I've made it this far without it and I'll find something else. Like I just <laughs> had to resist it for five solid years before the stars aligned. And I, and I thought, Oh, well, this is pretty cool. And I immediately started using it myself. I got it. I'm like, this is amazing. And usually I'll wait some time before I bring things to clients. But with this, I was just boom, right on it. And what I've seen, and we won't talk about EFT for, we don't have to get into it, but I've seen about in my, in my personal experience, anecdotally, 90, 91% of people will only tap with me. We have a weekly tapping class. We're learning specifically how to move through our stuff using tapping. Every single person is in there. We tap. You've got 90 minutes. I think all during the week before the next class, they're practicing. About 8% of people seem to get it, run with it, and they don't need another class. They don't need another session. They don't need, or they'll come back for a little bit of whatever. And a whole bunch of people, it's just, it's interesting. I think it shocks them how effective it is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've used EFT. I've used it uh, with clients and definitely on myself. And I like to explore all techniques. So no matter how crazy it is, I'm usually yeah. doing it. You know, right now I'm just doing cold <laughs> training. I was like, okay, like I've done it here and there, but never consistent, you know? And so I was like, all right, great. It's freezing cold outside. And there's a glacier lake. I'm doing it and just to see what happens to me. You know, what, what is the result that I get? And I found that EFT among the um, strategies that I use for belief programming, is important. Yes. And the first thing is just self-inquiry. So what's the goal that you want free from fear from the heart? Okay, cool. Write it down. What do you believe about achieving this goal? And for me, having a background in extreme sports, it's very uh, immediate and finite. Like, do you believe you can land this backflip? Well, if you don't, probably shouldn't try it because you can muck yourself. So how do we yeah. create that belief? And so you use it, there's an immediate, the immediacy and the necessity. And if you apply that to the regular world, you're on it. And it's magical how it works when you can become congruent with all of it. But I think yes. the, most, the most important thing is, is creating something that you want to be, do, or have. And I like how you phrase it like that. That's actually outside of ego. You can start with ego. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Want these things for everyone. But if you get something that's like actually meaningful, you know, then all those roadblocks and those work and the things like that, when you get it, it's something like, yes, I want this where, you know, if you just want a, a material object, you might get it, but then that's going to be fleeting if it's not really congruent with what you actually want to have a, a really meaningful experience, you know, something that you really want to work towards that has value to you. So getting clear on something that's really valuable. You know, and if you just start with the body, I think that's a really good uh, part too. Just getting to feeling good, having the body. You know, I want to be healthy and vibrant. Um, I want to have a focused mind. How I want to feel and perceive the world. Um, this is actually interesting. I I did something recently. I called it like the personal declaration, and it was because I was going through my own internal dialogue 
And um, it's funny because it's you talking to yourself and I created a declaration of how I wanted to talk to myself in every single way for every single thing and made this and, and signed it. And I thought it was a, just a really interesting process. So if people want to try that, I found that to be a good technique because it's yeah. interesting that people are so shitty to themselves. <sighs> that we're just so terrible to ourselves. It's shocking. Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah. Here, talk. I'm going to just stoke my fire. I need a fire interlude. <laughs> it's cold here. <laughs> Well, you brought up an interesting uh, component of intention setting, and I don't mean for us to only talk about intentions, but I went through this years ago where one day I thought, well, you know, wait, our, 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 we've got some part of our lives that are sort of predetermined and some part that isn't. And if an I just got to this place where I basically said, so wait, am I just a puppet here? If my intentions are coming from, my higher self or God, or I don't know, like I'm just, then I'm just a puppet and I don't, I went through this whole big thing and, and it really got me to seeing clearly what you were just talking about. The difference between an intention that comes from the head and an intention that comes from the heart. Because I've had people literally sit in class and say, I don't want to ask for something I'm not supposed to have. Like, oh my God. And that has a lot of religious undertones to it. And I have no judgment about any of it, but it's, so that was, but it really helped me to kind of land in this place. And when the intentions are from the heart, we can't make a mistake. If the intention is from the head, like I have an intention to make half, uh, half a million dollars this year. And that's really so that I can be seen as a guy making half a million dollars. And it's purely from my head and there's nothing heart-based about it. I wouldn't even bother in that. That's not what I consider an intention. Well, it's a want. But when that person gets to the third section of my little form, you know, why are you doing this? That's where, that's where that whole thing falls apart. So it really wouldn't, I'm not here to tell anybody what they should want or not want, but I do encourage people to, you know, listen to inspiration. So that's another thing. Once we get the intention shiny and clear, we, we trade taking action for taking inspired action. And so it's not about, hmm, let me sit down and out of my head, think of, a hundred things to do things that might maybe some of them will get me to this thing and maybe not i'm out of that business now i'm in the business of making my effort to move into and hold my intention and then listening to inspiration for what actions to take now the action might turn out to be the exact same action but i now move through being guided by here only. Yeah, I think that's really important. I'm, and I'm really glad we touched on it. Um, because it's, it's a huge distinction. And I think part three of your process is where it would break down. Is there anything else you use to help uh, people figure out beyond head and heart? And, you know, one of the examples that I um, use and, and give to a lot of the people that I work with, and it's free, you can listen to it. It's a guided meditation, but it's a hypnosis. 
that hypnotizes you into your heart because your heart knows it's eternal. It knows it's infinite and it knows what it really wants. The head is responsible for making sure you don't die. That's good. When right. you cross the street, right. the head goes, look left, it look right, don't die. Good job, cross the road. But what that is also linked to is money because the money gets us the food. We need the coupon to get the food. So when we're thinking about our intention, maybe you want to be an artist or a musician or, or become an entrepreneur, right? Go out from, leave your cushy job, your tenure with your, you know, retirement to go out on your own. And the mind goes, hey, dumb, dumb, you got health benefits, right? What happens if you frig me up? What, ha what, about, the, what about the food coupons? And the heart is like, you got this, you know, this is inspired, you want this. And the head goes, shut up, we need to survive. I run the show. And so how do we dis distinguish which one to listen to? Because we do want to be practical to a sense, but we really, I think we want to honor ourselves. We want to honor our capabilities. And I think that we are so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. Yes, the world is frightening. Yes, it can be a total dickhead. <clears throat> yes, lots of things. But we also have incredible resolve. Uh, we're connected to the universe, to spirit, to all things. And, you know, you can figure it out. Like there's just countless miraculous stories of people overcoming just insurmountable obstacles. And you have that power within you. So, yeah. back to you. <laughs> well, <clears throat> what I thought about when you were saying that just left my brain. So, the... I lost it. I lost what I was going to well, say. Well, I can, I can go back for the question and I'm sure it'll come. Okay. The distinction yeah. is how do we, we're navigating life, right? You're talking about inspired action, but we want to figure out what we want to do. How do we figure out if it's coming oh. from our head, coming from our heart? Well, that's part of the practice. So listening to inspiration, I'm always stopping people when they're talking. Like today, somebody said, well, you know, I just, somebody was offering me this job opportunity and there were all this da da da, and it just didn't feel right. So I said no. And then she continued talking. I said, "Stop! Did everybody hear what she just said? She said it just didn't feel right." So I said no. She didn't know what the next step was going to be. She had some of that fear going. I don't know if I can. You know, this would be good money and da da da. But it just didn't feel right. So we learn to just grow that muscle to really listen to inspiration, not just talk about it, but what does that feel like? So we get better and better and better and more practiced at distinguishing between head and heart. I don't have any particular tricks for it. But one thing that I do do, and this is what I was going to say, when I work with artists and entrepreneurs who I love to work with, I, again, I don't make anybody do anything, right? But here, if you're working with me, here's what I'm suggesting you do. Create two separate intentions, one for your work and one for your financial life. We've conflated these things. We've come to believe that our source of income is a job or some kind of work. And again, no judgment. We have every right to believe that. It's just not serving us anymore. I think that's part of the old consciousness that's just dying away, right? So if I set one intention for my work and in the way, the robust way that I've been talking about, I can focus and be really clear about what that all looks like. And I'm not worried about how it's going to happen or how many dollars it's going to bring in. 
And then when that's all shiny and clear, I go over here and say, okay, what do I really want financially for myself? And that question has all kinds of answers. Most people say some version of, well, I don't want that much. I just want enough to da, 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 da. Well, what does that really look like? I wake up every day and I always have more than enough money. I love to check my account because there's usually more in there than I think. When my bills come, I pay them. When my friends call and ask me if I want to go somewhere, I say yes. I do what I want to do when I want to do it, right? So that would be an example of a financial intention and what that looks like. So when you're driving around and you're doing everything, ideally as that artist, that entrepreneur, you are completely focused on your work and what it's doing. And you are also completely focused on living the kind of financial life you want to live and let the universe figure out where the dollars are going to come from or the pesos or whatever we're talking about. Right? So, Maybe in the end, it's all going to come through your work. I don't know. But what I do know is let's not limit the scope of what the universe can deliver because we can't see what it sees. So that's how I'd like to address that issue. The other place to go with that again is, okay, I'm fearful. I won't survive. Maybe that's underneath it all, right? And that might take a few minutes to get to, or I'm not okay. I'm not safe. I would rather work with that person on that belief because if that's underneath all this activity, what happens when we change that? And your internal being, you can't not be safe. You can't be destroyed. You are fine. That's a belief system in and of itself. But I don't like, the rest to me, if we're not working at that level of the belief, then it's deck chairs on the Titanic and it's kind of uninteresting. Yeah, absolutely. And do you find when you're working with people that when you get to those root beliefs and those core beliefs and you're able to change them to something that's more positively oriented, that they have shifts in their lives and, and what they're going for starts to come in? Absolutely. It's Figured. just getting the foot off the brake. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, I can give a sports example for this again. That's why Please. You know, for me, for me, like martial arts and <clears throat> snowboarding and extreme sports is all of these. This is why I know they're real because they're friggin' immediate in extreme sports. And you have to know this. If I'm going to do the backflip and just before that, I'm like, I don't know if I believe I can do this. That is like that last hesitation that you do not want. And that's how you, you know, yeah, problems. And so you know, you have to be congruent when you're going through that. And the challenge in everyday life is holding that congruence as you move throughout the day, like you said. Like when I'm going to do the backflip, I've got this one moment of congruence. I could, I could potentially go out throughout the rest of the day saying, you know what, I might, it's not ideal. Like I, I can't, backflips are hard and I might land on my head. I could do that. It's not ideal. But when I get to that moment of doing the trick, if there's full congruence, I can do it. Now, ideally, there's congruent outside, but you're going to get immediate response from the universe. Yeah. Now, yes. when we're talking about entrepreneurship or chasing our goals or things like that, we have to be congruent through days of not having it. And that's where that oh, yeah. challenge, is, challenge is. And so if we can get to that congruence, and I think this was where your lead um, to the other principles of uh, 
abundance and um, or not abundance attitude of gratitude because that creates abundance that creates a good positive feeling and the last thing that I wanted to or the one thing I wanted to kind of go into is um, taking responsibility because I think that's an important one that people don't want to do and I and I see like different ways that ego adapts and like you know even to like the quote-unquote awake people or woke or whatever um, if I one of the ways that I I was trying to deduce what I thought an awoke, like awakened or conscious person was. And one of them was they take a hundred percent responsibility for everything in their life. Because if you don't take a hundred percent responsibility for every single thing, you cannot create a solution. Like if you're in war and you mess up and then the grenade goes off and now you got only one leg and everybody's all splattered and you know, there's a few of you around or even if it was someone else who did it, whatever that horrible situation is, you're in it. And you're like, okay, this is what I got now. I had two legs, now I got one. And this is intense, but if I'm gonna get out of this, I gotta take responsibility and accept everything as it is and know that I can build the solution for it. It's a very dramatic example, but I'll give it back to you to help. Yes, (laughs) it's so funny, Matt, that you gave that example because I often give almost the exact same thing. (laughs) <laughs> well, but the way I've said it is it's not a war scene. I'm like, you're walking by and something falls and your arm gets cut off. And now you don't have an arm. So yeah, it's uh, exactly take responsibility. Look, it's, it's, it's easy to argue that that's where it really all begins. You know, I mean, it begins, I could argue with what do you want, but at some point, most people that come to me and perhaps it's the same for you, you know, are in some world of, unease and distress and and discomfort and if they come in with the stance of blaming this one that one and the other one they're not going to work with me for very long because if they're not willing to take responsibility for what's happening then to your point we're just not going to get very far now see what people tend to resist is they, they kind of have a belief that says, well, if I take responsibility, then I'm just condoning what happened. It's not about that. It's just about taking responsibility. It's not about blame. It's not about shame. There's no reason to go to any of those places. And it really only makes sense, I think, and this is why I'm the spiritual workout guy and not a psychotherapist, because I think that only really makes sense on a soul level. Oh, yeah, I take responsibility. I signed on the dotted line. I got born into this body through these parents on purpose. That was all not by accident. And so I take responsibility on that level for being here. And then for everything in my experience, whether I created it uh, haphazardly, whether it was something that was always part of the plan, or whether I created it consciously, or it's just some karmic hit that I need to take. And sometimes I'm not gonna know the difference between any of those things. But arguing with any of it is, you know, futile. Well, that's interesting, because what I had a, what that made me think about is like, how much time we spend negotiating these things and trying to like solve the thing that happened to find the reason. Was it karma? Was it because I thought this? Was it all these things? Now you should use some effort, like some common sense, you know, like if you're in the hospital with diabetes and you're overweight, 
you know, that could be a thing. Um, but if it's like a random act, like a, we, we want to know always the reason. And I think we are in the mystery. And, I, and when you talked about taking responsibility for coming in, you know, and reminds me of just the idea that like uh, Alan Watts would talk about life being uh, really a serious endeavor or a game. Like you, you, through your perspective, you have an ability to see like, problems as situations that you can solve or like puzzles um, and ways that you can like accept responsibility but go through the life experience with a more empowering mindset and that's what we're really looking for and that's again where sports and uh, the military and serious high-level organizations they have serious situations that you need to act according when that happens. And so if we can take that level of like poise and responsibility in our everyday life, um, we can be much more empowered and, uh, go ahead. That's the reward right there. Empowerment. So, I mean, it's very simple. If I blame you then, and I, this sounds so seventies, then I've given you my power. (laughs) The moment I take responsibility off you and put it back on me, I am empowered. That's it. That's where, empowerment comes from is a willingness to take responsibility now i'd like to go a little bit further so if i'm willing to take responsibility for where i am but where i am is shitty and awful and perhaps even chronic like how am i here again i thought this was done right then i like to just say well what belief or set of beliefs would a person have to have to create this experience and again we go fishing for that oh well yeah something that's right there so okay you're so sick and tired of this condition that you're willing to take responsibility for fantastic now how about just excising those beliefs that created this situation so we don't have to have it anymore so there's always i think another place to go often another place to go yeah. Which is yeah. why I use 15 different concepts. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it reminds me of an example I use when, I, when I'm encouraging people to go for their inspired dreams, their hard intentions or things like that. It's like, even if you become homeless, which is like probably the worst thing that could happen, there's been plenty of people that were homeless and that are not homeless anymore. Especially if you're in Canada and US and Europe, like you're pretty good. Australia, like you can go and you can work your way up and you'll have to go through your beliefs. Like you could have this goal of anything, you know, at at any age, you could be 40 years old and you hated your life and it was always terrible. And at 40, you're like, okay, homeless. You get a job at McDonald's. Now you start to pay rent. And then six months later, you got a little spot. And then you're like, I'm going to make this thing. Two years later, three years later, four years later, no matter what you commit to, I don't care what it is for four years, five years, six years, um, it's going to happen. And then the more congruent you are, the faster it's going to happen. And it's about the journey of, of getting there and that creation. So we give ourselves time. But if it's inspired to us, we're going to go through all those hurdles. We're not going to give a crap that we're at McDonald's because we know that there's something beyond that. And this is a step in solving the um, problem or the situation to get to where you would prefer to go. And the excitement is the process and it's the unfolding. And to speak to the younger generation, um, I spoke on it last, last podcast. There is some bullshit going around called, uh, uh, don't, what the frig is it? Don't, don't do it unless it's a F yes. Now I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yes. If it should be an F yes, but that would not work for any pro athlete ever. 
Not once. And 99% of all entrepreneurs, that is some crap that's like gone too far one way because we need to do the things like, you know, like the podcast editing and all the crap that I do. It's not an FES for me to schedule all this crap. The podcast is an FES, but I'm willing to do all the other things to make that thing that is an FES um, happen. Do you want to speak on that? Nope. I think okay. that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> okay, cool. So where I was going to go, the next step was to judgment. And I think that this is something that holds a lot of people back because um, I don't know if you're judging others is one thing and that's serious, uh, but also judging the self and we can uh. really get stuck there. So I'm wondering if you could elaborate a little bit on the judgment principle. Well, I mean, the way I phrase it is judgments separate us. <clears throat> And it's really interesting because when I first started spiritual workout and these concepts were ruminating, I, I, it was years before I ever just sat down and wrote them down. Like, I'm like, I think there are 12 of them and then there were 14 and then it's like, no, there's one missing. Anyway, so in the beginning, judgments separate us. I was phrasing as judgments harm us. In other words, as we're moving through the world, it's just, it's harmful to send out judgment to anyone else or to ourselves. And then I about five years went by and I thought, wait, that's a judgment <laughs> and it harms us. Nobody calls me on it up until then. So I say, what's really going on is judgments separate us. So if we're all, you're talking about congruence. So I can't be congruent if I'm judging, right? It's going to separate me from myself if I'm judging something that I'm right. So yeah, I mean, I just, I see, look, our entire society is going to change when we stop judging. Now, what I like to talk about in context with judgment is compassion. These are basically two sides of a coin, right? You can be in judgment or you can be in compassion, but you really can't be in both at the same time. And if you can, show me how, because I haven't seen it yet. So really what we're talking about is noticing when our judgments are getting in the way of our happiness and our forward motion. And really we could, we could lose that whole concept and just say, be compassionate all the time and in all places. But our understanding of that concept is so, I think, thin that we don't even believe it. And what do you mean stop judging? What do you mean stop gossiping with my friends and making fun of that person? And, you know, when I, when I came onto this concept, I was in graduate school and I remember sitting there thinking, wait just a minute. If I, Stephen, am going to just give up judgment, I literally asked myself this, will I ever laugh again? <laughs> I was noticing that all the, joking around with my friends and the camaraderie and areas where I was getting a lot of strokes were just full of judgment. And I really had to decide for my, I'm like, am I willing to give this up? Because what will come in its place? Well, come to learn that there are lots of things that are amusing and funny and ways to be fun and funny and have fun without judging anybody. You know, I read the newspaper articles just full of judgment. 
turn on the news. I'm into politics. I'm obsessed with creating conscious politics. We're nowhere near it. And it's full of judgment. If you have a thought, if you have an attitude, an opinion, a feeling about something, it's a judgment. So let's bring it down to a one-on-one -on -one level. So you and I are friends, let's say, and we're having a conversation. And never mind, I'll give a completely different example from after my partner died. <clears throat> People would come to me, ob I shouldn't say obviously, but clearly well-intended. They feel bad. They want to offer solace. And there's no question about that. So in their minds, I'm sure they are offering compassion. But what they were coming at me with did not feel like compassion to me. It felt like I was invisible. They came at me with, this must be horrible. I'm so sorry. You poor thing. Um, I'm sure ABC XYZ. Not one of those things resonated with me. I wasn't thinking or feeling the way they were thinking or feeling at all. Now, I get that I'm an outlier and most people would expect that I would feel good with what was coming at me, but I really didn't. Now, I didn't judge them for being that way. We're all just doing what we do. But I had for the first time that real experience of feeling like, how could there be all this intended compassion and I don't feel seen or heard at all? I have things that I want to say to anybody who's going to come to me during this period and converse with me and inquire about my health and well-being. I have so much to share about my current experience. It's a little different than most people's. And I don't know, I think it's interesting. And everything you're saying about what you assume is true for me isn't. And there's not even space for me to say that to you because you're not offering. So I think we really don't fully comprehend the differences between, I mean, there are a lot of ideas in there. My intention is I'm going to go be nice to Stephen. And they were right? My intention is to offer some compassion at this moment. Okay, that's all well and good, but it's not what really came out. What came out was just a lot of judgment, their thoughts, their attitudes, how they would feel imagining that they were in my spot. So again, it's not that we're bad people. I think we're just not well developed when it comes to what we really mean by compassion. So what would be the alternative? Just don't say anything. Just ask. You're an interviewer. I talk to people all the time. Just ask an open-ended question. How's it going? <laughs> What's it like? That's all you have to say. And let the person, right? So if I'm coming at you with a question, like tell me what it's like to lose your partner like this at this time in your life. That to me is a compassionate invitation for conversation. And it's very different from, oh, you must just be feeling awful. You know, when my aunt died, da, 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 da. that 
I consider to be judgment. Hmm. Well, and it separates us 100%. I'm not feeling any of it. So, Well, what that makes me think about is uh, part of the four agreements is don't make assumptions. And, uh, you know, when you go in there and you're talking about compassion, a lot of compassion comes from listening. When I was meditating with monks in Nepal, I was also um, doing just having conversations with older monks and they would talk about that a lot. Actually, just a lot of the compassion is just listening and, and rather than just assuming, you know, you're saying something to make you feel better essentially, and it's not wrong, but what's more open-ended and compassion is like, is there anything I can do for you right now? How are you? You know, you know, ask a question and shut up um, and have them talk, but the person is uncomfortable too. So it's not that it's bad, but you know, there is, another level of compassion and just, yeah, not assuming and seeing if there's anything you can do to help ask an open ended question. I think that's a really interesting thing. And um, yeah, how many assumptions we make rather than just conversing with people and just, you know, because a lot of the time too, if you dissect the English language, what we think is even the same word, you know, we're not, we could, we could go for days just seeing if we're on the same page when we think we're on the same page, you know? So right. compassion is, is really listening and paying attention and having an open ear. And I think that's a, a really important distinction for people maybe who are in a similar situation. And in general, ask someone how they are, you know, what are your favorite <laughs> things and get people to talk about themselves and watch them light up, you know, encourage them. Yeah. It's great. It's great to watch. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Stephen, this has been amazing. I really appreciate this. I'm, I'm excited. Those 15 principles are very succinct. Uh, I, they're on point. I think that this whole interview is, is super practical and anybody who listened to it can find a lot of gold nuggets on just how to apply this now. Um, I'm just curious, is there anything that you wish that I had asked you or you'd like to elaborate on for as long as you want before we close this out? I have to say no. I would also say I could continue doing this for two more hours. So yeah, no, this is, this has been great. I've really appreciated your uh, role here as an interviewer. <clears throat> oh, thank you. Well, thank you for your work. Thank you for what you're doing and just where can people find more about you, your books, your work? I know you do retreats and things like that as well. Yeah. So spiritualworkout.com. You can find me there. And then just uh, two months ago, uh, I relaunched doing three weekly online classes and I'm running that through, I know you're on Patreon and I just started on Patreon. So you can search Morrison Steven on patreon.com or patreon.com slash Morrison Steven. And that's if you want to check out spiritual workout or pretty much right off the bat, it's a really great deal. and We're just getting started there and you're I'd love to see you there. And yes, yeah, spiritualworkout.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, I appreciate you and your work and uh, your philosophy and what you're sharing. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. Take good care. Yeah, my pleasure. See everybody. Peace. All right, guys, that wraps up that episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you want to support, please share um, over on iTunes, share on Facebook, leave a review, but most importantly, do one kind act today. That's definitely the best thing that you can do. If you guys are interested in some coaching, just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Remember to sign up for the email list and just be an incredible, awesome human. Uh, I'm so grateful for your time and for your attention. So I'm sending you a huge hug through the airwaves to wherever you are receiving this in the 
world. Just remember that you are wonderful, extraordinary, remarkable as you are in the human experience. Uh, that's that's it. We're here to be alive and human and co-create and collaborate and experience all things uh, good, bad, everything in between. Just remember that you are uh, a piece of creation, that you have divinity, the universe, God within you, and that you are capable of whatever you set your mind to. So big, big love out from the yurt in Nelson, British Columbia, Canada. Lots of love. And let's close it out with uh, just a deep breath in through our nose. Holding that breath, just setting the intention to come to peace and presence and empowerment. And just let that breath out slowly with all negativity, all internal criticism, making the firm commitment to be kind and compassionate to yourself as you come into this empowered state of being ready to take on the day. So having a tremendous day and I'll see you in the next episode.